Do you know somebody that just can't seem to sit still? It seems they're always doing something. Even when they're sitting down, it seems like their motor is running. They sit there with their Bible in their lap and they're chewing their fingernails and they're looking around. Their leg is shaking. You know anybody like that? Well, I think that the Apostle Paul was a lot like that. He was always needing to preach, needing to share, always wanting to disciple, to visit. He's got to be doing something to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's important for you to know that the Apostle Paul could have settled down very comfortably at the First Baptist Church of Antioch where he began his ministry. But he never did. Paul viewed the church as a launching pad, not a parking lot. Paul viewed the church as the one that was pulling the rope of hope. And he felt that there were still people out there that were dying without Jesus Christ while then he had some itchy feet. But there was one time when his itchy feet got him into some hot water. But even in the midst of the hot water, Paul continued to share Jesus Christ with unbelievers. In Acts chapter 16, we find out this hot water event. Now I want to give you a little bit of context in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 16. The Bible says, now it happened as we went to prayer. Now you got to wonder, well, who was we? Well, the author of Acts is Dr. Luke, uh, one of the apostles, and he was with Paul and Silas and many other disciples, undoubtedly. So it happened that as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when the masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs that are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or to observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, and they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight... At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, and so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, 
supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was just about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. And then he called for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were with them in his house. And he took them out that same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when they had brought them before into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. The death toll of COVID-19 coronavirus has reached and probably surpassed 10,000 people worldwide. That's a lot of people. 10,000 people have died from this virus. But we don't give a second thought to the fact that if Jesus Christ returned today, that out of the 7.5 billion people on this planet, three quarters of them, some 5.5 billion people would perish eternally. Today, friend, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ desires to use his church, that's you and that's me, to rescue the perishing, to rescue the perishing and to care for the dying in the world that we live in. So this morning, we're going to see three keys that will help you and I to rescue the perishing. First of all, we must have the right passion. In verse 25, we see that Paul and Silas had passion. Even with their backs torn open by rods, even with them being in Israel prison, even with their feet fastened in stocks, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now today, you and I would say that the Apostle Paul was one driven human being. There are some people, even in our world today, that are just driven that way. Some have a passion. They're driven to earn money. Some are driven to acquire great fame. But Paul's passion was reaching the lost. Paul was driven by a passion to free those who were imprisoned by sin. He said, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am compelled. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. What he's saying is, don't be patting me on the back because I pray. Don't be patting me on the back because I preach. Don't be patting me on the back because I proclaim the gospel. I've got to say these things. I've got to do these things. It's in my very bones. 
He's saying that for him, sharing Jesus was not an option. And friend, I've got to tell you that for the Christian, reaching out to the lost is not a suggestion. For us, it is a command and we shouldn't want to stop even if we could. Friends, Paul was passionate. Passionate about rescuing the perishing. Now I've shared this before, but another word for passion is enthusiasm. You can never go wrong with a little enthusiasm when you're sharing Jesus with somebody. Enthusiasm will help you do anything and help you to do anything better. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23. Paul wrote to that church saying, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. That word heartily means to do it with all your being. Do it with all your desire. Do it with all your affection. Do it with all your soul. Friend, do it with all you got. Spiritually speaking, you can never have too much passion. In fact, can I tell you this morning that if you're not spiritually impassioned about the things of Jesus, then the opposite must be true. Maybe you're spiritually asleep. And Paul wrote about that too. In Romans chapter 13 verse 11, he wrote, Knowing the times, the times that we're living in, knowing the times, it's high time for us to awake out of sleep. In other words, wake up because time is running out for the coming of our Lord is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul is referring to those Christians who are spiritually asleep. And he was right then and he's right today. It seems that the church is asleep right in the midst of a noisy community full of lost people. Even in our world, we see over 7 billion people who are alive. But most of them are spiritually dead. And if we're honest with ourselves, we, the supposedly spiritually alive ones, seem to be stumbling around like we're in some kind of stupor or that we don't care about those who are perishing. Every now and then we trip over a sinner and he gets saved accidentally. Somebody gives their life to Christ. But I want to tell you today, it's high time for us to wake up. Wake up to the premier priority of the church. I mean, friend, just imagine what we could do if we had a little passion. Just imagine what we could do if we were alive, if we were alert, and if we were awake. Friend, just imagine what we could do if we were filled, filled with enthusiasm to rescue the perishing. You know, before the Titanic struck that iceberg, she had received five, count them, one, two, three, four, five telegraph warnings about icebergs. And all five of those warnings were ignored. It seems that the crew and even the captain had grown too confident in what they were hearing in the mainstream media. They grew too confident in all the hype and all the hoopla about this new ship. And some even said that even God, even God himself couldn't sink this ship. 
But 35 minutes, 35 minutes after that final warning, they were indeed sinking. And history records the crew as being criminally complacent. Criminally complacent. Brothers and sisters, is the church criminally complacent, allowing the perishing to die? Is there any difference between the crew of the Titanic and the members of the church? Friend, the first key to sharing Jesus, the first key to rescuing the perishing is you've got to have a little passion. You've got to have a little compassion for lost people. We need to wake up to the needs of the hour in our day. But there's a second key that will help us to rescue the perishing, and that is we've got to have the right priority. Notice in verse 26, suddenly there was this great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately every single one of the doors were opened, and every single person's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was just about to kill himself. But Paul, with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. We are all here. Then he called for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The right priority, my friend. Even in chains, even in prison, the Apostle Paul had the right priority. He knew that the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. Even after he was beaten, whipped, locked in a prison with his feet in chains, Paul kept the main thing the main thing. Now, I don't know about you, but had I been beaten and whipped and locked up on some bogus charge, I don't know if I could keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, if the chains came off me, I'm out of there. Amen? But not Paul. He and Silas remained undoubtedly led by the Holy Spirit to share Jesus with this lost jailer. Here's the deal. I haven't been beaten. I haven't been whipped. I haven't been locked up. And still, I have a problem keeping the main thing the main thing. It's so easy for us to get off track in our churches. But friend, the main thing is sharing Jesus. The main thing is you and I doing our part to keep people out of hell. Everything else that we do in the church is secondary to that one goal. See, Paul never forgot. Paul never forgot why Jesus was born. He knew that Jesus Christ was born to die. He knew that Jesus Christ was born to rise again from the grave. 
He knew that Jesus Christ was born to save that which was lost. Paul knew Jesus came to give his life for his first priority. You know who that was? You and me. Us. Now I remember when my dad visited Alabama from Maine. And he remarked that it seemed like there was a church on every corner in Lauderdale County. And do you know it's true? I mean, churches are everywhere. But it seems like the many hundreds of churches have forgotten why the church was made. Why the church was created. It's so easy for us to lose our priority. Even Bethel Baptist is not immune from losing our number one priority. And I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap into hell over our bodies. If they're going to perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them not to go. If hell must be filled, let not one single person go with not him not being warned and prayed for. Friend, if we're going to share Jesus effectively, if we're going to have any hope of rescuing the perishing, you've got to have the right passion. You've got to have the right priority. But can I tell you, we also must have the right presentation. Notice how Paul and Silas did it, beginning in verse 31. And so they said to his question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed off their stripes, and immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when they had brought them before into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So you have to have passion. You have to have the right priority. But can I tell you that ultimately you've got to have the right message? You've got to have the right message? Our efforts to share our message seem to be being put to shame by cults who are much more passionate than we are and seem to have the priority right much more than we do. But let me tell you something they don't have. They don't have the right message. They don't have the right message. And the right message is simple. People are eternally saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone, plus nothing, minus nothing. Paul told that jailer right. He said, believe. Believe that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. That he is the Lord of life and the Savior of your soul. And you will be saved. Friend, that's the right message. And you know the right message can be shared using just one verse of Scripture. Just one verse. Romans 6.23. Just take out a little scratch piece of paper like this. And write on it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then what you're going to do is you're going to begin to break it down a little bit for him. Say, you see this stick man right here? That's me and you. 
And we all know that there are consequences for what we do. And the Bible says we are sure to experience consequences. We're sure to experience wages or consequences for our sin. And what is sin? Simply stated, sin is disobeying God. And part of the consequences of disobeying God is separation from God. And not only are we separated from God, but we must also experience death. And not only physical death, but eternal death as well. So what does that mean for me and you? That means we ain't got no help, we don't have no hope, and we have no life. But, but praise God, God gave us a gift. He gave us the gift of God, which is eternal life. And eternal life is basically life everlasting with God. And you know what that means, friend? That means we have help. That means we have hope. That means we have life, praise the Lord. But only through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. By dying for us on the cross, Jesus became our Lord, the Lord of our life. And the Bible says that when we believe on Him, we have access to God. Friend, that's it. Sharing the good news of Jesus really is that simple. And if the person you're speaking to indicates that he desires eternal life in heaven, that he desires to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, if he's willing to turn from sin, then just ask him, are you willing to pray? Are you willing to ask God for yourself? And you might need to lead him in a prayer. But here's the good news, friend. In Psalm 126, beginning in verse 5, the Bible says that those who sow in tears shall reap a harvest with shouts of joy. Those that go forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his harvest with him. What does that say to me and you? That says that if we will diligently sow the gospel, if we will reap, then we will receive a joyful harvest of souls for our precious Lord Jesus. I'm reminded of the blind songwriter named Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote many of the hymns in our hymn books that we love to sing. But when Miss Crosby was older, she had visited the Macaulay Rescue Mission in New York City. And as she stood before a crowd of homeless, drug-addicted, alcoholic men, she shouted out, she said, is there a young man here who doesn't have a mother? Immediately, one young man timidly raised up his hand and he began to explain that his mother had died when he was very young and Miss Crosby asked him to come to the front and when he got to the front, she gave him a great big hug and kissed him on the cheek. Him making that declaration touched her so much that Miss Crosby went home that night and she wrote these words to the famous hymn, Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, 
Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep over the erring one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, mighty to save. Now years later, a gospel minister by the name of Ira Sankey was singing in a revival in St. Louis. And he rose to sing that song. But before he sang that song, he told that story of Fanny Crosby and that boy. And as he told the story, this middle-aged man just jumped up out of his seat and he shouted, It was me! I'm the young man that she wrote about that day. And she kissed me and she hugged me and I could never get away from that moment. And as a result, I became a Christian and I straightened my life out. Friend, listen, the purpose of your sermon today is to help you understand the signs, the signs of the end times. You've heard them before. Wars and rumor of wars. Just look at what's going on in Iran, in North Korea, in Russia, and in China. Pestilence, this rapidly spreading coronavirus pandemic. That's pestilence. Famine, much of Africa and the Caribbean and Southern Asia doesn't have enough food to eat. There's fires and floods and a prevalence of evil, increasing selfishness, godlessness, corruption in the highest levels. But most of all, there's a lot of lostness out there. But never fear. God says never fear. You know why? Because God wins. God wins, praise God. And so the purpose of your sermon today is to understand that we're living in the signs of the end times. And it's high time for me and for you to lovingly go forth with the right message so that the perishing can be rescued. You got to have the right passion. It's time to wake up. You got to have the right priority. It's high time to put first things first. Friend, you got to have the right presentation, the, the right message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, maybe today you realize you're perishing. Would you like to be rescued? Maybe you've already been rescued while you were perishing. And you realize that now God wants to use you. That's what our Grow Outreach Ministry is all about, friend. And I want to remind you that when we come back, we're going to come back with a heart full of desire to rescue the perishing. So I want you to continue to be praying about your role in the Grow Outreach Ministry so that we start reaching out into our community those who are, are dying, those who are perishing. Father, it's our call to do as you've called us to do. Friend, I pray that as we pray today, you'll examine your heart and you'll examine where you are and what, where you stand with the Lord God. If it's your desire to come to Christ, there are friends here at Bethel Baptist Church who would love to share the gospel good news of Romans 6.23 with you. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
Friend, I pray that your soul wells up with desire so that when we start meeting here again, you're going to be ready, ready, friend, to reach out beyond the walls of this church to share with those who are perishing. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father God, we do praise you and thank you that you have called us to partner with you to rescue the perishing. Father, if there's one that's listening this morning who has realized that they are perishing right along with the world, Father, I pray that, Lord, you would speak to their heart today and that, Father, you would place someone at the intersection of their life, Father, so that they can hear the gospel good news of Jesus Christ and Him crucified for our sake. Father, for my fellow Bethel friends, Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to give us a heart for others, a heart for the perishing, a heart for the dying, Lord, that we might share the good news with them and we might be concerned for them and that we might have the right passion and the right priority to take the right message in Jesus' name.